Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, I'll be covering the disappearance of Mercedes Clement, missing from Dallas, Texas. Let's get right to it. Mercedes Clement was born in Colorado on July 7th, 1995. Every birth is amazing. I mean, you're bringing a new soul into the world, but Mercedes, she's an absolute miracle. Her mother, Alicia, was in labor for 36 long hours, and Mercedes' heart stopped beating while she was still in her mother's womb. The doctor scrambled when they realized her heart was no longer beating, and she was quickly delivered with forceps. She was lifeless and technically dead, but quickly resuscitated. Her poor little face was covered in bruises from the techniques used to deliver her, resulting in a very prominent birthmark on her chin. This birthmark would serve as a constant reminder of the absolute miracle that she is. Her biological father struggled with addiction and mental health issues. At times, he could get violent. When Mercedes was just a year old, her biological father got into an altercation with Mercedes' mother, which resulted in him strangling her with the necklace she was wearing. Mercedes got in the middle and pleaded, stop, dada, stop, dada. And her pleas, they were successful. He let go. Alicia, Mercedes' mom, immediately grabbed Mercedes and ran. This was too much. He had gone too far this time. She took Mercedes and she never looked back. It was Alicia and Mercedes against the world with a little assistance from Mercedes' grandparents. It stayed that way until Mercedes was four years old when Alicia met her now husband, Emiliano. Emiliano immediately accepted Mercedes as his own. Make no mistake about it. He's not her stepdad. He's her dad. There was always something very special about Mercedes. It's like she believed in God right out of the womb, her mother recalls. Even though her family was not at all religious, when Mercedes was a child, she was. She believed deeply in Jesus. So much so that at three years old, she tells her mother, I remember when I was born. She grabbed her baby doll, rocking it. I remember Jesus holding me. This stands out to Mercedes' mom because they had never told her anything about Jesus since they weren't religious. She shouldn't have even known his name. When Mercedes was seven, she started demanding to go to church in Sunday school. She spoke adamantly about her love for God and wanting to be involved in church. Despite her family's beliefs, they took her and would wait out in the parking lot until services were over. Mercedes, she loved her some Jesus. In 2002, Alicia and Emiliano give birth to another baby girl. Mercedes falls deeply in love with her baby sister. They are the best of friends. You never see one without the other. Two peas in a pod. In 2005, when Mercedes is 10, the family moves to San Diego, California. Mercedes is finally starting to come into her own. She joins a cheerleading team. She gets a horse named Rocky, whom she absolutely adores. She joins a vaulting team with Rocky, and the pair is successful, winning multiple blue ribbons. 
At age 15, when most teenagers are trying to dip out of church, Mercedes seeks out a youth group in her local community. She's very active in the youth group and loves being a part of it, but she longs for something more. She wants her family to join her in church so badly that on her 15th birthday, she invites her entire youth group over for her birthday party, but it was really just a guise to have them pray for her family. And her plan? Well, it works. Eventually, Mercedes Clement's entire family is baptized and comes to know Christ through her. I told you there was something very special about this girl. But the teenage years, they can be difficult to navigate, especially when you're beautiful, talented, and so unique. Mercedes got attention whenever she walked into the room. She was sweet-natured, and bullies took advantage of that. Jealousy reared its ugly head, and Mercedes was bullied relentlessly. She was pushed into lockers. Friends that she thought were her friends turned on her. It got really nasty. Mercedes had to switch schools. It's then that she was diagnosed with depression, along with some other issues concerning her mental health. So in 2011, when Alicia was offered a new job in Dallas, she was excited. She thought Mercedes could get a fresh start in a new place. They packed the family up, including Rocky the horse. Rocky had become Mercedes' refuge. There's no way they could leave him behind. Mercedes wasn't thrilled with this move, and what Alicia thought would be a positive change turned out to be less than ideal. Once in Dallas, Mercedes fell in with the wrong crowd. It's hard being the new kid on the block, and she was struggling. She found a group that would accept her. However, it wasn't the kind of group you'd want your teenage daughter hanging with. Alicia tried her best and got Mercedes therapy and mental health help, and she just prayed that her daughter would take a turn in the right direction. However, that's not what happened. In 2014, when Mercedes was 19 years old, she moved out with her then-boyfriend, and that's when things really took a turn for the worse. Mercedes had dibbled and dabbled with alcohol and weed, but she had never, to her mother's knowledge, tried any hard drugs. This boyfriend introduced her to methamphetamines. I want to note here because I think it's extremely important for people to understand. A lot of people who suffer from mental health issues use drugs as a way to self-medicate. Meth has such a dirty reputation, and rightfully so, but it doesn't start out that way. Initially, when someone starts using methamphetamines, there is a rush, a sense of euphoria that is unlike anything they've ever experienced. Users feel pleasure, confidence, and energy. I've heard it described by many as an on-top-of-the-world feeling. That first high is so incredible that they will spend the rest of their active addiction chasing that feeling. It'll never happen again, but that doesn't stop them from chasing it. It's called the devil's drug for good reason. It's why meth is so dangerous. It's so damn deceiving. It will make you feel great all the while taking absolutely everything you love away from you. What starts as one bad decision leads down a path of darkness that spirals out of control very quickly, and it could take years to recover from. Back to Mercedes. Once she was introduced, she was hooked. It made her feel invincible. It solved all those issues she had been struggling with so long as she was high. She didn't have to be depressed anymore. She didn't have to struggle. The spiral began. Alicia was so worried for her daughter. This wasn't like Mercedes. This wasn't the bright, beautiful daughter she cared so much for. Her heart was breaking. She would have done anything to help her fight her way out of this. Absolutely anything. So in 2014, when Mercedes' biological father, who, remember, had absolutely nothing to do with Mercedes since she was just a year old, was released after a stint in prison, he reached out to Alicia with an offer. 
He apologized for not being there. He said he wanted to get to know Mercedes and he wanted to help her. He had recently come into some money and he made promises to help get her an apartment, put her through cosmetology school and make up for all the time he had lost. Alicia is resistant to the idea at first. She knows his history, but she also felt that he sounded genuine in his offer. It seemed he had turned over a new leaf and was trying to make things right. And Alicia knows that despite the fact that Mercedes was raised with an amazing father in her life who loved and cared deeply for her, a part of her always wanted to connect with her biological father. I mean, after all, he is her biological father. Alicia considers that maybe moving back to Colorado with him might be exactly what she needs. She was going downhill. Maybe this could be a positive. She can get to know her father and he can help. It will get her away from all these negative influences. So after consideration, she agrees. Mercedes moves out to Colorado with her father. At first, things seem to be going well. She calls her mom almost every day and talks as if she's doing just fine, and it seems like maybe this was the right decision. But soon, everyday contact turns into weekly and then monthly. Alicia is hearing less and less from Mercedes, and she begins to worry. About three months into this arrangement, and Alicia is so worried she calls in reinforcement. Her sister-in-law whom from this point on, I'll refer to as Auntie, drives over to where she is to check on Mercedes. And what she finds is absolutely disturbing. Mercedes is in bad shape, heavily using drugs with her father. Her boyfriend at the time later reports to Alicia that he was so concerned that he had driven over to Mercedes' father's home and begged Mercedes to leave. According to this boyfriend, Mercedes' father put a gun to his head and told him to get off his property. But back to Auntie. She goes over to the house and doesn't give Mercedes a chance to say no. She tells Mercedes and her father in no uncertain terms that if Mercedes doesn't come with her immediately, she is calling the law and reporting him for being in violation of his probation. Mercedes is kicking and screaming in defense of her father. But when her father hears the threat of going back to jail, he tells Auntie and Mercedes to get the hell off his property. Charming, right? It gets even worse. In a subsequent conversation with Alicia, Mercedes' father admits to teaching his own daughter how to shoot up because she was going to do it anyway. I was just showing her how to be safe. Like there's a safe way to intravenously use illicit drugs. Give me a freaking break. Mercedes is taken directly to a hospital where she spends an entire week. Auntie puts her on a plane and upon arrival back in Dallas, she is directly driven straight to rehab. She tries to get her life back on track, but leaves rehab and meets a new boyfriend. For a year, she moves all over the U.S. with this guy. He's abusive. Her family isn't happy, but she's an adult. There's absolutely nothing they can do. Even though she's leading a somewhat transient lifestyle, she remains in contact with her family and they continue to beg her to get help. Finally, she calls her mom and says she's ready to come home, and her family welcomes her home with open arms. She's back at AA meetings, she's working her program, remaining clean and sober. Her family is so relieved. They're seeing the real Mercedes again. She still has her mental health struggles, but she's working through them. Not long after returning home, Mercedes reveals that she is pregnant. She takes excellent care of herself during pregnancy. She is seeking help through outpatient programs to learn more about the disorder she is diagnosed with and what makes her brain tick. She has a job. She's volunteering at a rehabilitation center. She's back in church. Mercedes and her mom actually take in a 16-year-old girl that Mercedes met during volunteer work because she didn't want her entering the foster system. They foster her until she is 18. This was Mercedes' idea. I keep telling you, there is something very special about her. In 2015, she gives birth to her baby boy, and she is over the moon in love with him. He is her everything, and she is his. 
She's an excellent mother. He's a colicky baby, but she is so patient and loving, rocking him, comforting him, staying up all night. If you've ever had a colicky baby, then you understand. It's no walk in the park. But Mercedes takes it all in stride and attends to his every need. She's a fun mom. She likes being goofy and playing around with him. She loves celebrating holidays and always makes a huge deal over every little occasion. Things are looking up for Mercedes. She meets a guy at AA and they fall in love. He is helping her raise her beautiful son. She goes to school and obtains her phlebotomy license because she wants to help people. This is a major accomplishment for her, and she is so proud of all the hard work she put in to achieve this goal. The guy moves into her mom's house with her, and they become a little family. Mercedes continues to work on herself, and she is striving to be the best version she can be for her son. Then it happens. Her fiancé calls off the engagement two days before Father's Day over a text message. They had been together two years. He was the one her son looked to as a father, and he breaks up with her via a text message? This devastates Mercedes. She relapses in June of 2017. Her relapse is very short-lived, and she enters treatment at the urging of Alicia. This rehab is amazing. It's beautiful. There are horses. Mercedes feels at home and comfortable. She trusts the people at the center. She's rocking rehab. Back on track to get her life back. But one day in group therapy, which if you've never been to group therapy, it's supposed to be a sacred place, a place where those suffering from addiction meet and share stories, encourage each other, share intimate details of their trauma and their lives. It's supposed to be a refuge where no judgment is allowed. And unless someone is in imminent danger, nothing is ever supposed to leave those four walls. In this particular session, Mercedes speaks about something that changes everything. I'm not going to get into details about what that admission was. I believe therapy is a sacred space, and I'm going to protect Mercedes' privacy here. I will say this, however. I don't believe anyone was in imminent danger, not even close. But nonetheless, a call was made to Child Protective Services. That's when Alicia stepped in and filed for emergency temporary custody. Mercedes supported this because she did not want her child to end up in foster care. Custody is granted to Alicia and Emiliano. But things only get worse. Mercedes had become very close with her roommate Taylor and her roommate's boyfriend at the time. They referred to themselves as the three amigos, and they had supported each other throughout their time at rehab. One night, her roommate decides to leave the rehab with the boyfriend. Two days after leaving, her friend Taylor is found dead, under very suspicious circumstances. We'll be learning more about Taylor in the very near future. This devastates Mercedes, on top of the fact that she knew once she got out of rehab, she wouldn't be going home to her son. Not only is she devastated, her entire feelings on getting help at a rehabilitation center are completely tarnished. She gets out and moves in with her then-boyfriend. They stay together for about a year, on again, off again, and they have quite a volatile relationship. While Mercedes is clean from hard drugs, she and her boyfriend are drinking alcohol, which contributed to their relationship struggles. And while she wasn't at her full potential, she was working. She was very present in her son's life, and she got to visit him so long as she was sober. And she did just that. She was over at her mom's spending time with him all the time. She'd come over after work just to play and spend time with him. But being without her son full time, the death of her friend, the mental struggles, all of it just got to her. She made two suicide attempts, one of which she was hospitalized for. In March of 2018, after her most serious attempt, her mom brought her home. 
She knew her daughter needed to be present with her son. Being absent from him was quite literally killing her. She set strict rules and boundaries, and Mercedes followed them all, passing drug tests, working a job, being accountable. She was so happy to be back with her son, and he was glad to have his mommy back. In November of 2018, Mercedes starts not acting herself. She's angry and restless. After Christmas, Mercedes stops coming home every night. She's gone a day here, a week there, and Alicia grows concerned. She's still in frequent contact with her son through phone calls and video chats, but Alicia knew something was up. And in January of 2019, she asked her not to come back home without getting some help first. Mercedes denied there was a problem and left. Mercedes remains in contact with her son, but Alicia is becoming concerned, and her instincts are dead on. In April of 2019, Mercedes' car is impounded. Alicia is informed immediately because the car is in her name. Mercedes has failed to make payments on the car. A guy we'll call B was driving it at the time it was impounded. Her family is so concerned, they stage an intervention. They plead with Mercedes to get help, and eventually she does. She enters a 30-day program. But once she completes treatment and is released, the crowd she chooses to hang out with goes from bad to worse. She's still hanging out with B, and now a guy we'll call Graham Cracker enters the picture as her new boyfriend. She is arrested in August 2020 with B for fraud charges. She is sentenced and serves about 60 days in jail. She talks to her mother daily while in jail. Mercedes says she wants to get right with God again. She wants to work toward getting her son and her life back on track. On October 6, 2020, she is released from jail. Alicia wanted her to go to a sober living house, but Mercedes has another plan. She wants to stay with her childhood friend, we'll call Cece. Alicia agrees as long as she makes her appointments, gets a job, and stays clean that she will help both Cece and Mercedes get back on their feet, but they'll have to prove themselves first. Alicia does get Mercedes a new little clunker car, a black 2000 Nissan Maxima, to help her get to and from work. On October 8th, Mercedes gets her car and new cell phone from Alicia, and she begins cleaning out the car. She's excited to have something to drive. On October 9th, 2020, Mercedes calls her mom from a hospital at 4 o'clock in the morning to tell her that her friend was having a baby and they wanted her to be the child's godmother. She was going to go over to their house to clean and help them with the baby. Her mom is frustrated and tells her to go back to Cece's and continue with the plan they've already worked out. On October 10th, Mercedes relapses. According to Alicia, she was given drugs by the friend's baby daddy. We'll call him M. On October 11th, Mercedes posts on Facebook about wanting to find a car seat for her friend's new baby. And she leaves the house, according to M. Mercedes was going to pick up the car seat around 2 p.m. M says she never returned. She is spotted on surveillance at 8.30 p.m. in a location that we can't disclose due to the ongoing investigation. At 10 p.m. on October 11th, she called a friend asking for a ride. She said she was on Denton Road and she was scared, but didn't say why, according to that friend. The friend couldn't go get her, so Mercedes hung up. At 10.30 p.m., she went to visit Graham Cracker. He says when she arrived, she was really drunk. He also claims nothing prompted this visit and Mercedes just kind of showed up. He says he offered her coffee and he advised her to stay and sober up, but she leaves anyway. When Mercedes left Graham Cracker's house, he sent a text to Cece saying Mercedes just left and she's drunk. Cece calls her immediately and demands that she pull over and she will come get her. Mercedes says no and indicates that she is fine and she is where she needs to be. Cece knows that Mercedes doesn't sound super intoxicated or anything over the phone. Cece calls her repeatedly with no response. 
The next morning, Monday, October 12th, Cece calls Alicia concerned about the night before. Alicia isn't immediately worried, and she figures if Mercedes was drunk the night before, maybe she's just sleeping it off at a friend's house, and she'll call soon enough. Two days pass with Mercedes' mom getting a little more and more concerned. Alicia, Cece, and nobody else for that matter have heard from Mercedes, and now her phone is going straight to voicemail, as if it's dead. Her social media has gone dark. No new posts or responses on her Facebook, Snapchat, nothing. And Mercedes was addicted to her phone. She was always on social media or sending a text. She was in constant communication with either her family or a trusted friend. Always. Even at the worst points of her addiction, she had never lost contact, especially after her son was born. No matter if she was using, frustrated with her mom, in jail, in rehab, whatever the circumstances were, she always called her son. She always made sure he knew his mommy loved him. On Thursday, October 15th, Alicia files an official missing persons report in Louisville, Texas, because that is where Graham Cracker lives, and that is the last location her family is aware of her being. The next morning, Alicia receives a notice in the mail that Mercedes' car has been impounded. She rushes down to the impound lot and learns that Mercedes' car was towed from Cocoa Apartments in Dallas, Texas. She is informed that visitors' passes are required at that apartment complex and Mercedes didn't have one at the time, so the car was impounded. Once Alicia takes a look inside the car, she is even more disturbed. The keys to the car are lying in the front seat along with the bra. The windows are down. Mercedes' handbag containing her wallet, which contains her ID, debit cards, credit cards, is still in the car seemingly undisturbed. The lady of the lot informs her that while Mercedes didn't have an active visitor's pass currently, she had been issued one before. The week before Mercedes was arrested, the week of July 26, Mercedes' car was registered as a visitor at that very same apartment complex. And that's when Alicia and Emiliano head right on over to the apartment complex. The apartment complex is helpful, and they are shown video surveillance of their daughter walking with a resident who we'll call Green. She's walking towards his apartment at 11.08 p.m. on Sunday, October 11th. She's wearing a black tank top, blue shorts, wearing her hair in a bun, and carrying a cup in her hand. She looks relaxed. Around 1.30 a.m., there is some suspicious activity on that surveillance, which cannot be discussed at this time, and then the surveillance abruptly cuts off. It comes back up at 8.30 a.m. and Mercedes' car is gone. Eight hours of missing video footage. Eight hours. And the explanation? A technical glitch. A technical glitch at just the right time that prevents us from knowing exactly what happened to Mercedes Clement. Who comes and goes during those critical hours? What? Green's car was able to be seen from that video footage and it appears that it never left as it was in the same spot before and after the video cuts on and off. Emiliano goes over to Green's store and pounds on it, leaves note after note for Green to call him in regards to his daughter's disappearance. He does this repeatedly and several times notices that there are people moving around inside the house, but no one will come to the door to talk to him. Why? He calls the Dallas police and tries to get some assistance, but because the report is in Louisville, they state there is nothing they can do for him. Hmm. The case is then transferred to Dallas at the family's request. Dallas PD comes and does a door knock, but once again, nobody answers at Green's place. According to Alicia, the officer even notes the blinds open and closed as if someone peered outside, but nobody answers the door. The officer leaves without making contact with anyone. But Emiliano, 
He ain't going out that easy. Let me tell you something about Mr. Emiliano. He is an amazing dad. He has quit his job in order to search for Mercedes full time. He is out there pounding the streets for answers. He wants his baby back. He has questioned persons of interest, knocked on doors, obtained surveillance. There isn't any lead he wouldn't follow and any place he wouldn't go if he thought it could lead him to Mercedes. And he's not taking no for an answer. So he does just that. He waits for his opportunity to catch Green off guard and get the answers he's so desperately searching for, and eventually, he gets it. He corners Green in the parking lot on his way out one day and confronts him. Emiliano says, I've been trying to reach you. Where is my daughter? And Green's answer is that he doesn't really remember much from that night, and he does not know where she is now. He does make some other statements, but due to the ongoing investigation, those details cannot be released at this time to protect the integrity of this investigation. The full details are reported to the Dallas police, and Mercedes' parents are informed that there is no evidence of a crime. They won't be heading over to even attempt to talk to Green again. To this date, the Dallas police have not questioned Green to Alicia and Emiliano's knowledge. According to Alicia, she's not aware that the Dallas police have questioned anybody in this case. Not a single freaking witness. Zip, zilch, nada. Not only does it seem there's no sense of urgency on the part of the Dallas PD, there's also no sense of urgency on the part of some of Mercedes' so-called friends to come forward and assist his family in the search for their missing daughter. From the time Mercedes Clement was reported missing, her friend's baby daddy, M, has seemingly went into hiding and is refusing to make contact with the family and provide any information to them. According to Alicia, a week after Mercedes goes missing, Graham Cracker, remember the new boyfriend, tells the family to leave him alone because he's not getting in trouble for a drunk chick. Wow. Grow a set, boys. This is a woman's life we're talking about here. A mother's life. If you know anything, anything at all, then you need to say something. Mercedes Clement has not made contact with anyone since late on the night of October 11th. Her phone still goes straight to voicemail as if it's dead. All of her multiple social media accounts have gone dark. She has missed Halloween, her son's fifth birthday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. A woman who loved celebrating the holidays with her baby has missed five major holidays without a single word. Her son misses his mommy. Her parents miss their daughter. Her sister misses her best friend. Mercedes Clement is loved. Mercedes Clement is missed. Her life matters. What happened to her absolutely matters. Mercedes had her struggles. I think it's very evident, but her worth is not defined by her struggles. That is one aspect of her life, not her entirety. Mercedes is a mother. She is a daughter. She is a sister and a friend, a beautiful, gentle soul who would help anyone in need, a gorgeous girl with a shining smile, a girl who loves Jesus and horses and her friends, a girl who stepped in to protect her mom at just a year old. A girl that planned and plotted to get her family to church. A girl that was goofy and silly with her son on the couch. A girl who no matter how many times life knocked her down, she got back up again, swinging, and she won another round. A girl that used her own experiences with her struggles to help others despite the fact that she was still struggling herself. That's Mercedes Clement. Mercedes Clement is five foot six with brown hair and brown eyes. She weighs roughly 120 pounds and has a thin build. She has a C-shaped birthmark on her chin resembling a bruise and several tattoos. 
two dice on her inner arm, a tattoo behind her ear that resembles the letter F, and a bow on the back of both of her thighs. She was last seen wearing a black tank top and blue shorts, with her hair pulled back in a bun. Last known whereabouts are Coco Apartments at 2205 Empire Central Drive, Dallas, Texas. Mercedes was driving a 2000 black Nissan Maxima. If you have any information surrounding the disappearance of Mercedes Clements, please contact the Dallas Police Department. There is a $10,000 reward. You can follow Mercedes Case at Mercedes Clement Missing Dallas, Texas Discussion Page or Missing Person Mercedes Clement. There's a GoFundMe you can find at either of those pages to donate to help her family in the search. They've hired an entire team to aid in the search for their daughter. I'll post links to their GoFundMe on my Facebook page, as well as some photos of the beautiful Mercedes Clement and some other information pertaining to her case. It is beyond time for someone to come forward. Mercedes Clement deserves to be home with her family, especially her little boy. Do the right thing. Shout out once again to Joe Amaro Perez at Sickly Tower Music for that amazing original theme song. And a very special shout out to Mercedes' mother, Alicia, who is relentless in her fight to bring her daughter home. Thank you for trusting me with the story of your beautiful daughter. Thank you for pouring your heart out. Mercedes' story has and will change lives. This woman is incredible, y'all. I'm going to leave you with a little advice she offered for anyone who loves someone who is currently struggling with addiction. You do whatever you need to do to let them know they are loved. Don't push them away and don't worry about what people may think. Don't be forced to cut ties because your family is being shamed. Love them fiercely. I'm on this case for the long haul and will bring you updates as they can be publicly shared. You can follow me at Facebook at least of these or on Instagram at least underscore of these. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. Until next time, be good to each other. What if you could test your blood in your own home, but just a drop? New Pod Disney Plus. This machine is going to change the world. The Dropout. En helt ny original serie. Anybody who doubts my company doubts me. Inspired and sad story. We have to stop her. You don't understand the business. You don't understand the science. The Dropout. Stream all episodes now. Exclusive på Disney Plus. 99 kroner om måneden. Abonnement kræves. Vilkår gælder.